0: If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today I've got Rob McCullum, my favorite villain of anything over the last 20 years of any kind of medium is the guy that you did, a little character named Stain. How are you, Rob?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Oh, man, this is a pleasure. Uh, it's fantastic, man. Where uh, You said Texas, right? Is where you're from?
1: Yeah, I am, I am I am. coming to you live from the bowels of Dallas, Texas.
0: I've, I've driven through there a couple of times. I mean, I was stationed out in San Diego. So going, you know, cross country, I found out that Texas has the best speed limit because there's never any cops there. I think it says 80 is the speed limit, which means you could do at least 90 to 100. Yeah, um,
1: it's just it, a suggestion.
0: Yeah, it's very early. It is super flat. So all you gotta do is hit cruise control and don't hit a fucking deer and then you're, you're golden. So. Yeah, it
1: is not exciting. It is not a visually stimulating drive. I remember I've got a lot of, I work with a company in the UK that does a lot of things and occasionally will bring crew in like cameramen. And when they realize you can drive as fast as you can <laughs> for nine hours and not leave the state of Texas, their yeah. minds were blown. They're like, I could I could drive from England to Moscow in that amount of time. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, you could.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Texas. <laughs> so Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I buried the lead there a little bit, man. But uh, Stain, how did you get cast for this? He's such a fantastic character and he gets his legs cut out from him just when it's starting to get good, man. Uh, how did you get onto this character?
1: Well, so early on in My Hero, I'd auditioned for for several of the characters and it just didn't come in time. You know, they they kind of try to share it out it, it, based on who's doing what in other shows and that sort of thing and schedule availability. And also because just people were just better than me, but I didn't get some of the early big roles, but we all knew that my hero was gonna be huge. It was, yeah. it was like, no, even as it was coming down the pike, everyone was like, this is the next big thing. This is huge in Japan. This is gonna be huge in the United States. Um, this is gonna be a big deal. And uh, so then randomly I got called in and I didn't know what it was for. And the director Colleen Klinkenbeard was like, "Hey." I've got this guy. He's actually not in a whole lot of episodes. It's not a huge amount of time it for recording, but he's, he's an important character. And so what I want you to do, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen anything of that season. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know anything about him. And, uh, and she's like, I want you to audition for it, but we're just gonna go ahead and do the session. And if it gets approved, we'll already be done. Cause I think, I know I want you to do this, but it has to go through all the levels and layers. Yeah. So I went in completely cold, no idea, no, no history of the, of the character or anything. And she's just like, just try this. We threw a couple of different takes at it. She's like, yep, that's the one. Do more of that. I'm sending it in. And the, the first episode, he's just like watching from a distance and making like those kind of very tongue centric, grunting noises it was just a lot like "Ah." she's like (laughs) perfect that's what i want like okay what have i just done and left and then came back she's like okay you're staying you're the villain of this season and also kind of the person that changes the tone of the show from this point going forward so i had no clue and then did the deep dive and realized like oh yeah this does even though he's a small guy he's only there for a short amount of time and also i didn't realize it was so short i mean she said it wasn't a lot of lines but we finally get to the episode with the big, his big speech, his big moment. And then he just locks up and stands there. I thought my video was glitching. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's he's locked, he's not. And they're like, no, no, that's all, that's all. And I'm like, all for this episode? Like, well, I mean, kind of all for all that we know Uh, so it was very unfulfilling as an ending and also i always try not to look too much ahead because i don't want to know things i'm not supposed to know yet and uh, i had one early director that i worked with was like don't read the manga i know everyone says you should be a good actor and a good fan and know ahead of time but i don't want if your guy is supposed to be the sweet guy next door and we find out 37 episodes later that he's the serial killer yeah. I don't want you playing serial killer. I want you playing sweet guy next door until it's time. So I kind of gotten in a habit of not reading ahead. So I was very upset to find out that Stain's, Stain's whole arc ended un, so, so unceremoniously.
0: Dude, when So I shit on this show for so long. I was just one of those guys because I don't come from an anime background. If you could tell, I'm a huge Ninja Turtle guy. I mean, I got him all over my arm and my body. I, I do get
1: that sense from your background. Yes. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, I, I've said it a couple of times. My wife says when she walks in here, it's really like a sickness vice, you know, a collection or any kind of thing. She just looks at it, she's like, Ugh, you know, Look, gross. Um, but so for the longest time, I just did not give this show the attention or even the respect I think it really deserved. And everything changed like most people this year with this pandemic that's going on, right? So I, I work in the food industry and they told us to go home and not come back. They're like, ah, just come back whenever we can, right? So we all thought it was two weeks. Um, so for the ter- first two weeks, it was fun. We were, me and my kid were sitting here. We're watching stuff. We always liked watching movies and cartoons together. And then I just happened to flick on and leave it on because it, Hulu had this autoplay feature. So right. we watched some Dragon Ball, and then it switched over to this because we would finished Dragon Ball. And then I was like, oh, this is fucking show. So I just let it play I, I I let it play. I was unloading the dishwasher. And then I heard a dude that I was like, holy shit, is that Piccolo? And I look over because it was just playing. It was playing the dubbed because the 10-year-old, he can read. But I was just having to explain stuff to him in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. I was like, fuck it. Let's just watch it in English so I don't have to sit here and pause it every 30 seconds. Right. Start watching and it's all my coming up. And I'm like, holy shit. Because Piccolo is my favorite anime character from <laughs> Ball all the time. And Chris, fantastic. And once I saw that, I was hooked immediately. Um, and we started watching this. And then we get to your character arc. And uh, not sadly, I don't know where he's at. He's right over there. But Shigaraki is my dude. He's my favorite, favorite uh, character at that time. And then it, you know, morphed into a racer with uh, Izawa, and then Bakugo, and then Stain comes in and just completely flips the entire script upside down. And it is one of the most, I don't craziest scenes because he's only in there, like you said, for like what six episodes, maybe. Yeah. Um. Very, very short. Very, very quickly. But you put an exclamation mark, or this character puts an exclamation mark on those six episodes, and like you said, completely changes the fabric of this show going forward. Um, have you since then read further? Because um, oh I- yeah,
1: and it, it it is amazing how how the tone, everything just gets more serious. It's like a, it's like a fun, silly, goofy show, and then they decide we
0: got to grow
1: up time. It's time to grow up and, and, and go in a different direction. And so the, the shadow of stain um, runs, runs long uh, and, and, and deep, but there's also, all right, spoiler for those that are, there's, there's one scene in, in the manga where uh, someone's walking through the, you know, prison for the criminally insane or that would the the arkham of this of this universe great batman and they and they walk past a cell and stain is in there it is Mm -hmm. the only time he's not mentioned again but he we know he still is alive and in the universe so i still keep thinking either some at some point in time they're gonna need him like silence of the lamb style (laughs) and come in and talk to him or or he's you know, someone, you know, will prove to truly be worthy or all might himself will come. And so he's going to join the good guys. I don't know. But I still hope there's 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 a future for staying somewhere in the in the universe.
0: So are you hoping for a hello, Clarice? It is good to see you seen for staying. Is that what we're is that what we're hearing? Is that what you want?
1: That I think it would be fantastic. I, I don't make do them that, you know, tie him up and do the whole thing.
0: Well, they got it. They got to put the Hannibal Lecter mask on. They got to have him wrapped up and they got to have yeah, him-
1: cart him in on a dolly furniture yeah. dolly. Absolutely. I mean, be- I mean, or maybe he still can't move. Maybe he's just locked and they're bringing him in like a statue. Like he's the cardboard cut. They just roll him around like a mannequin. <laughs>
0: well, I, I got to assume. So like, I, it's almost the same concept as you. They didn't want you reading ahead. I bought probably the first, 1819 mangas and then i started reading them and the once i got to pretty much where the show left off i was like all right i'm not reading any further because this book is fantastic but this show is what really hooked us and i don't want to be surprised i don't want to be shocked i don't want to be right taken out of the moment you know when that happens um when when the next season comes up um but seeing that where the way they left him i thought he was dead up until i read yeah. to where stain was at, and then i can't remember what they was it just he punctured his lung essentially. Is that, is that what it was? And then he kind of stopped or.
1: Yeah. He basically the there's, there's lots of different theories. They didn't answer all of the questions. And those of you that are deeper in the manga will know more than I did, but basically he just overpowered and blew out his battery. Mm, makes- like his body couldn't take it. His, his, his he just, he just locked up. <laughs> he he overheated and locked up because he got too worked up with the, with the expenditure of power and it did physical things to him and mental things to him and the things with his his quirk so I mean I think we still know that there's a chance that something could change but nothing yet
0: now, have you watched the show in its entirety since you've worked on it at this point?
1: I have watched a lot of it not all of it I have so many friends that are in it that I'll watch their art for a while and then but you know as you said, as much time as, as COVID provided, there's still a lot of content out there. So I have not watched every every single moment. I know people are like, You're a terrible fan. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that's my job. Yeah, I you don't, don't go home and just you don't ho- go home and just cook for people that aren't in your family. That's work. You're gonna wait. Well,
0: I mean, I I do, I do. I always have like friends over and shit like that because they're guinea pigs. I can essentially try anything I really want to. And 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 your your industry is completely different. I I love talking. I'm pretty sure you guys like talking for your job, but you hate having to do this extra shit. And sometimes it's fun and rewarding and shit like that. Um, but for me, I get to sit here and try some stuff because I got a 10 year old and a wife. They're not picky, but they also aren't super, super adventurous when it comes to food. Um, so it's nice getting a whole bunch of different people's palates over here because I can try this, try that, do this, do that. Plus I really, really love it. And it's, it's, like, my, it's like my dojo, my, 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 my Zen spot, right? Yeah, can, that's your therapy. Yeah, I can decompress. Um, and I don't have to worry about anybody yelling or cussing at me because you know somebody's food is 10 minutes late or some shit like that. So it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, they're not paying you, they take what they get.
0: No, no. If anything, I'm paying them because uh, you know, I'm paying for the food, I'm making it, they're eating it. But in a sense, it's it's fun because it's it's this collective group thinking. I get to sit here and try shit, and then if it's good, it's great. I get to, you know, sit on top of my mountain if it's shitty. I don't sleep that night, but it is what it is. Right? All right. So, what's
1: the what's the? I'm sw- slipping into interviewer mode because that's what I used to do. What uh, what is the the most surprisingly positive creation you've come up with over over lockdown? What is your pandemic biggest win?
0: Um, I wouldn't say too too creative because during this pandemic, I I used to think food was one way as far as uh, whenever I would cook. Like I had a specific idea of culture when it came to food, right? Or the way I thought about food. And then I started thinking when I had so much time to play around, I, I could just sit here and do what I wanted to do, vice what somebody was telling me they wanted me to cook. Um, I learned balance. And that sounds completely weird. And it sounds like it's something that's overlooked. But with me and food, it's I used to think that, oh, man, it's got to have this punch or it's got to have this. And then I would start finding out when I started eating things and tasting things that one component would just be too much. Right. You would have, like, say, guacamole. It's super easy to make, right? It's avocados, lime, onions, tomatoes, garlic, serranos, and cilantro, and then salt, right? And maybe some black pepper, depending on where you come from in a specific region of Mexico. Some people use it and some people don't. And then I would go and sit here and take, well, I don't want this huge lime punch right off the bat, or I don't want this super, super fragrant cilantro right off the bat, or I don't want this heat. I want everything to be level, but I want everything to enhance each other, right? So during this and long story short, during this pandemic, I really learned balance. And I learned how to elevate my game with something very, very small and something very, very rustic or homely. Um, you know, so that's that's probably what I got most out of this time. being So away you from
1: discovered me. you discovered subtlety. That's <laughs> yeah. really good, Julian. That's good. This is progress.
0: That, it is, man. I mean, it's a 12 step program. I'm on step two or three at this point with uh, cooking. But it's it's fantastic and it's crazy to see.
1: <laughs> Is part of the twelve step that you have to go apologize to people you made crappy food for? <laughs> Do you have it, to go it, call all of them?
0: <laughs> it's it's insane like because what's great about social media is you get to connect with people, right? What's bad about social media is when you post something, right? And you think that that was the greatest thing, that little snapshot moment of your life was the greatest thing. So I start seeing food pictures post up from a year ago. And I sit there, I'm like, Jesus Christ, why I <laughs> post this shit, right? Like what I knew it tasted like shit. Like now I look back and I'm like, man, I'm, pretty much banging out freezer meals back in the day but it's crazy to see the growth and the progression the evolution of your character if you will um, from where you started to where you're at now and where you could possibly take it um, so that's what's really really cool about all of this and especially with food because um, it's a craft right you don't come out of the you don't come out of the womb slinging salt and sure. vinegar and all that other stuff um, something you got to build up to Um, well that's the
1: benefit in 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 my world we at least have a director to guide us through that thing (laughs) you're figuring out you're building your character as you go which we which we don't often get to do
0: no what what is that's something that I always love talking to you guys and I've had so many voice actors on here mainly because you guys are the nicest fucking people in the world because you guys love I don't want to say you love us but Well, it's crazy what a voice that you do or anybody else I've talked to does. It transports you instantly, almost like food does. It transports you to a time where you laughed or a time where you cried. Um, And and you guys have such a huge part of that. Um, What was the biggest, uh, I guess, hurdle for you as a voice actor?
1: Well, I would say, I mean, I'll go back to your previous point before I answer that question. That's a good question. Um, But I think part of the reason that, that, people are always like oh anime voice people are so nice and friendly and approachable it's like well none of us thought this was like a path to stardom mm-hmm. like especially those who are like I started this in 1998 when Funimation had first come to Texas nobody knew anything about anime anime conventions weren't really a thing yet yeah. or we're just we're just burgeoning and and nobody nobody watched the dub if you were a fan of Dragon Ball you watched the you watched the subtitles version and this was like the the add on that had to be done to sell the DVD, so it was an afterthought. It was super fast. It was low production value. It was you know quick and dirty, and none of us thought it was going to lead to anything. Because first of all, who knew if anime was going to take off, and second of all, if it did, who knew that anyone was going to care about the the dub actors? Why do you but, think that was? Well, I think the way what changed was that the the anime conventions became. Uh, a big facet on the on the playing field that that the fan base grew so hot, so fast and was so dedicated that people started wanting to get together and yeah. so you know a college in Minneapolis would do something and all of a sudden three hundred people would show up mm-hmm. and then it kept and of course Comic Con was in its ascendancy then too and so anime conventions as a as an offshoot of that began to grow and get more and more involved. Well, they can't fly people over from Japan. Yeah, they can't fly the original. Actors, um, that's just cost prohibitive. But what they can get is the idiot in Dallas, who the dub, <laughs> and so it kind of all for a lot of us. A lot of us, it was like, wait, this is a thing. This is people are excited by this, and then you start to realize, like, oh, people, people do really care about this. A lot of people watching on on you know Cartoon Network only saw the dub uh, and only know our voice with it. And at the same time, also Funimation got more and more involved and b- got better directors and better writers and really started to focus on a quality product as opposed to an add on to the original. Cause originally it was just distribute the thing that everybody loves from Japan, get it out there. Um, And then it became like, no, this is a separate and different thing We're we're uh, trying to stay true to the original but really make something good as a standalone in the English dub of it. And so that quality went up and also just the, the fans wanted more and more contact. And so, you know, you go to a, you go to a conference and they go special guest, this person. And you go, Oh, I guess I'm supposed to care about this person now. And maybe you go back and listen for the first time and go, Oh wait, Chris Sabat's are really cool. I do like all this stuff. I'm going to go rewatch everything that I watched before, but listen to the dub so I can hear what Sabat does or hear what Mike McFarlane does. And so those kind of, those grew, the fandom for those grew. And then that kind of took the rest of us along the way with it. And but it's still, I think is like none of us thought we were going to get famous and certainly none of us ever got rich off of being anime dub actors. So that's why it's not like, a, a. it's still exciting to us when someone wants to talk to us about a character, especially if it's like someone comes in and is super excited about a thing you did 12 years ago Yeah, that you barely remember because it was one day, but it's their favorite thing of all time. And they have an old dvd copy that they've got you know that's battered and bruised and they want you to sign it like suddenly you realize like oh this is actually impacting people and this and now we're seeing the the ability of of anime as a community to really positively impact kids lives and and help people dealing with issues and i mean cuz there's an anime that's dealing with everything and every yeah. topic under the sun and so you know the 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 chance for activism and outreach through that because of the issues of a specific character that you have done I mean I've seen some some fellow anime voice actors that have really done amazing things with different communities of of lifting them up and saying hey you're not you're not the only one in this situation and there's a lot of ways to deal with it so it's just it's been a surprise to all of us it's been a lovely surprise but I think that's why everyone's like sure (laughs) you want to do a podcast I'll do it
0: call me let's do it that's fantastic because you're the second person that I've had um from my hero, I had Lucy a couple weeks ago, uh, Ochaco um, and it, it is insane because they always say you know don't meet your heroes or don't meet the people you look up to because you have this image in your head of like, oh man, this guy is gonna be probably like this or this girl' is gonna be like this but you can insert anything in there and kind of like uh, just guess what they'd be like and you know most of the time, Nobody really lives up to anybody's expectations. And that's when they say, you know, don't meet your heroes. But like I said, you guys, and no pun intended on My Heroes, um, but you guys, like I said, all lived up to it. And it's, it's been fantastic talking with you guys. Um, and you've done My Hero, but you're also young and adult Goten, Dragon Ball Z, something that is very, very special to my heart. The first anime I ever watched. Um, and then true hardcore anime fans told me for the longest time that that wasn't anime, which I didn't understand because it came from Japan. It came from the Shonen Jumps. It came from all this crazy stuff. Um, is that Was that the first role as far as uh, anime that you got involved in?
1: That was the first big one. I mean, like I said, it goes all the way back to, and, and I don't even remember the first one. So if some, if some diligent listener wants to do the research and find my first recorded, I still don't know what it is. Uh, had to be 97 or 98. So we're going way, way back. Um, but that's when uh, Funimation was cranking out a show called Case Closed. a show happened. that went on forever and ever. And it also had different people every episode. It was like a different cast of, of criminals uh, each each episode. So it was kind of like a, a, a murder she wrote mm-hmm. for those who hadn't seen it. So just anyone that had a voice and was in any way connected in Dallas at that period of time was on Case Closed because they're like, we need so many people. Um, so yeah, I think I did that three or four times as different characters and some of the lots of early shows smaller bits in early shows um, Desert Punk was another big one but then Goten getting to play the you know teenage Goten and and launching the ship and causing that whole next chapter to begin was and again another really small character in terms of the time on screen mm-hmm. but was just really fun to get to do and one of those things is like it never occurred to me that 20 years later people would still be asking me to sign autographs and sign pictures of that character because they love the story so much but yeah so that was that was probably one of the first big ones and a big show and of course Dragon Ball was the was the thing that led the way for everything else that was that was Funimation's big push the reason they came to Texas was to get that out and get that marketed and and that's why they've been here now for 20 years and that's why so many of the voice actors probably people that you have Interviewed or from you know somewhere in Texas, either the Houston area or the Dallas area. I know Lucy's down in Houston, um, but because that work was here, and and they decided to really commit to to Texas and the and the Texas community, and it was like, oh God, I guess we got to find some voice actors.
0: <laughs> now I I've only driven to Texas a few times, um, but each time each time you drive through there, you always see something different. Um, you guys are like a hodgepodge or a melting pot when it comes to food and culture and all that other stuff right is that something especially where you're at did you notice like are you before i get started are you from originally are or originally from texas
1: i actually grew up in arkansas and oh. then uh and then went to college in texas and then stayed here after after school uh so i've been here for a, a long time now so i call myself an,
0: a, a, an honorary texan because it's been <laughs> well, long enough i mean you live anywhere long enough you got to be from there right absolutely um, with with Funimation were you there before Funimation kind of came in and blew up
1: yes I was there in the early days and it was actually uh uh Mike McFarlane who is now you know genius director and one of the the main figures of Funimation but also Master Yoshi from from Dragon Ball Mm -hmm. um he he was in there and had started directing early on uh and voicing a ton of the characters. And we were doing improv comedy in different troops, but we were both doing comedy in Dallas at that time. And I was starting to to do a lot of on camera and voiceover commercial stuff. And he's like, hey, you do voice stuff. You should go do this thing. It doesn't pay any money and you have to drive to this weird building upstairs from a (laughs) bank in like an office complex. And it was was tape to tape. It wasn't digital yet. So the recording process took forever because you'd record it and then they'd stop and they'd have to spool back Oh Jesus! And then replay it, and there was separate like giant quarter-inch tapes of uh, or three-quarter-inch tapes of like with the Japanese, and then it was a crazy system. Um, but again, no one knew it was anything. It was just like, oh, this is the, this is the unemployed actors fund this the way <laughs> to go pick up twenty-five bucks when you need to eat that week. And so we all did it. And it was also kind of funny because in those days there was not like a clamoring, like now a clamoring group of people aspiring to be voiceover dub, anime dub actors. You know, now uh, Funimation gets a stack of 300 submissions a week, probably wanting to be in these shows. But but then it was like literally, oh, um, you're in the building right now. Hey, come down here for a second. Do this guy. Okay, oh, just, do you need it? Yeah, okay, go down here. Do this guy because you happen to be here. And we you get- didn't know if this was a one-off or a recurring character. It was like literally you just happened to be there on the day and, and you said, and that's also why everybody sounds kind of similar in those early days. Mm-hmm. Like it was <clears throat> 20 year olds trying to sound like 90 year olds um, <laughs> because they didn't have any 90 year olds to come do those things. So it was, you know, you'd see, hear the same people on eight different shows. Now they have mercifully expanded their talent horizons considerably. But in the early days, it was kind of almost like Saturday Night Live. Like it was just it was going to be one of these twelve people who was going to be in there. They were going to get tapped.
0: Uh, When when do you do you think with the introduction to Funimation, their studios and everything like that, them growing that grassroots anime uh, fan base? Pretty much, I mean, that's how I got introduced to dragon ball z it was from funimation i saw it on on adult swim one time Mm -hmm. all that logo come across i'm like oh man this is the greatest cartoon i've ever seen at that point um you know i think it, it sucks saying it but i think you know dragon ball z was like my dad's cartoon at this point my hero is where it's at now um when, when you were doing this stuff, did you notice that just a huge explosion of just different cultures coming in or was that already starting to take place in Texas before Funimation really started?
1: It actually, it hadn't landed in Texas yet. It was weird. The, the biggest markets for uh, for the anime that we were distributing in those early days were East Coast and West Coast. Hmm. Um, but then it really did start to grow. And also just kind of like, it, it was part and parcel of the ascendancy of, of Fandom culture, yeah. like I said, Comic Con was going. You know, Star Wars had always been a thing, and Star Trek had always been a thing. But suddenly, and that was like what we nerds watched. Like that's what I, you know, us nerdy D and D players who had Star Wars action figures. Like we were the we were the shunned group. But now suddenly, all those people, there it is, Player's Handbook, very nice. Um, we were the shunned people, but then you know when we got into our thirties some of us started becoming tech billionaires and some of us started running i clearly didn't because i'm here doing an anime podcast but some people made lots of money and started running studios and opening apple and all the things that happened so so nerd culture became pop culture Mm -hmm. and that and i think anime was just a part of that it lagged a little behind um because it was a sub a subset but again you know, anime fans who were fans when they were 12 eventually get jobs and get families and get enough money that they can buy things. And suddenly there's like, oh, there's a legitimate cash mark. I mean, I would love to say it's all for the art, but Mm -hmm. follow the money. When there's money there, resources go in to follow it. And suddenly there's like four different places dubbing them. and, And then the internet blows up, kills the DVD market for a couple of years and runs the risk of wiping out Mm -hmm. anime and the the kind of the whole industry there was a there was a a rough period of time where the internet piracy but that's when you saw like crunchyroll and the funimation channel start like well okay we're just going to stream it ourselves and make it affordable enough that it's just as cheap to get it from us as from the ripoff guy and we're going to turn it around so fast we can have it before they can have it and so again the industry changed and adapted to follow the money but that also allowed a wider wider audience and a wider group of people i mean i know there's a lot of people that always find it on bittorrent originally (laughs) they've they've streamed they've stolen it ripped it down off something but eventually you go like oh i like all these shows and for x number of bucks a month i can subscribe to funimation channel and see all of it anytime i want um that was you know part of the evolution of it but the fan base just continued to grow and to diversify and stayed continued to stay young. It wasn't just the people that loved it 20 years ago that are now 40, like their kids and their kids' kids and you know, college kids. And you see, there's always that young, and you go to any convention or any event that we have, there's like an older fan base that knew it back in the day and a new young kind of vibrant group and, and are just as into the characters and just as into the, to the costumes and, and yeah. cosplay and all the things. Mainly because it's a good story. I mean, that's yeah. the effect that story has. And there's a story for you anywhere and somewhere in anime, no matter what you're interested in. If you are interested in internal corporate hierarchy and the day-to-day drudgery of an accounting job, there's like five animes yeah. out there somewhere for you that deal with that. If you're food prep, there's a million shows for you. As a matter of fact, as much as a foodie as you are, um, God, what was it? Uh, Ian Sinclair starred in the dub of uh, I'm going to remember it in a second. I'll look it up, but uh, I was in it too. um, And it's about a a guy traveling the universe to find the most obscure and interesting foods. Um, All right, cut this point out because it's embarrassing that I don't remember. I think I even have a poster of it somewhere. Um, Uh, I wrote
0: Ian Sinclair food anime. So it'll pop up as soon as we get off the call.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna find it right now.
0: Was it Anime. a was it a long was it a long going one or was it something? No,
1: it, it, I think it was only a few seasons. But all right, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna have to look on. It's bad when you have to go to your own IMDb page to look up the things that you've done.
0: Well, I mean, I don't remember every dish I make. I can't imagine you'd sit here and especially with the show, like one piece. um, I can't imagine you going like, Oh, yeah, I remember that episode. I mean, probably the bigger ones, you'd probably remember almost one hundred percent. But you know, when somebody hits you with those, you know, deep cut episodes, remember when this sure. type of thing happened, you know
1: well, and I have when i when I go to the conventions, I have a list of all of the shows and characters because, even if I remember it, I'm not going to remember how to spell it correctly. And I don't want to sign somebody's commemorative piece with a misspelled name. So I have a little cheat sheet there.
0: Um, before, before COVID, when you were going to conventions, what would you sign most? Would you sign more Dragon Ball Z, more One Piece? And now with, the, with, with My Hero, is that kind of equaled out?
1: Well, One Piece and Fairy Tale is another one that was a really big uh, deal for, for years. And it's another one of those shows that's gone for a long time. And I had a main character in Fairy Tale. Uh, called Jalal and so that was a big one and then Attack on Titan was kind of another before my hero became the thing Attack on Titan was the thing Mm -hmm. Uh, there was there were weeks when Attack on Titan on Cartoon Network beat like the Daily Show in terms of its ratings it was a huge it was a huge show and I had a nice a, a, a good character on that that became more and more important as the show went on so attack on titan was was huge uh one piece as you said one piece has gone on for you know i think we're up to 750 now on our dub they're up to a thousand on the japanese side and it still continues to go it's the gift that keeps on giving
0: well there's uh my my guy that does all my videos larry uh he's been trying to talk me into attack on titan and i kind of traded off and he was like well i'll watch the first season of my hero if you watch the first season of attack on titan i'm like well, shit! If that's all right, okay.
1: I think that's fair. Yeah,
0: I'll that's go for totally it. Totally fair. Yeah, you know. So plus, it'll give me some some kind of perspective or something different to watch that I haven't. Would you say it's for for a ten year old? You think pretty good, or is it?
1: It's. I mean, it is. It is bloody and gruesome, mm-hmm. but in the way that Godzilla picks are buddy. Oh, fantastic! Good. I think you're fine. Like yeah. it's a lot of giant creatures biting people's bodies in half and throwing like them down. The but it's not. You know, so it depends on the ten-year-old. I guess is what you're going to say. But if if your if your ten-year-old is watching Mandalorian, they can probably handle Attack on Titan. That would be my that would be my guess. I'm still looking for this. I got to find it.
0: Oh no worries. If every Star Wars, I couldn't get into Star Wars. I couldn't get into Star Trek. It was just it wasn't just wasn't for me. Like I said, turtle guy, Batman guy, uh, comic books. That was my stuff. Um, but the Mandalorian, Jesus, is this a fucking fantastic show? I mean, I don't know if it's really called Baby Yoda, because some people get angry when you say Baby Yoda and not the child. Um, but just the fact that they're doing old school puppetry in 2020, and it's a spaghetti Western feel. Um, yeah, it,
1: that's the thing I love about it. I love an old I love an old Western. I love a samurai story. Yeah. that's told through the Old West, which is what this totally is. And uh, uh, the pace of it. You know, it takes its time. It doesn't feel like it has to rush through and, and do everything. And one, in one episode, it can leave some things hanging. And I, I just really like it. It has those feels of like the old, we watched them in TV when they were in reruns, but like the 1950s, Have Gun, Will Travel, yeah. or The Rifleman, where he just wanders through a different town each week and saves the day or gets involved and then moves on. Um, but uh Torico.
0: That's what it's okay. called. Let me write that one down. I've always got my little notepad here.
1: Torco I- is a great, great anime for a foodie like yourself. I think you would appreciate it. I didn't find it online. I just finally remembered it. Um, yeah, Ian Sinclair was the the lead in that, and uh, the great Aaron Roberts also had a good arc in Torko. Um The uh, sorry, I distracted, but yeah, I love I love those kind of. I love the, that kind of storytelling, and again, it's it's the same reason that that anime has continued to be successful is like storytelling wins. Yeah, and if if the rise of of really fantastic appointment television, like all of the things that have come out, the you know Netflix series and Amazon Prime series and all these kind of you know the Watchmen things like that, we realize like oh, for all of the power that Hollywood thinks it has, the storytellers are still in control, and the good the good writers are still the ones that are getting attention and getting, getting to do cool things. So I think it's, I think it's a pretty cool time. I mean, it's also amazing that all of us are just home watching now. So we're paying yeah. more attention. <laughs> like everything is getting watched the week it comes out and binge watch binge watch through. Um, but it was also an interesting time for, for anime because all the studios shut down, like back in, back in March, mm-hmm. basically every, Every major studio had to end production, whether it was on their TV shows, their movies, whatever they were doing while, while they figured out the new protocols, yeah. uh, Funimation is now a division of Sony. Yeah. And for several months, Funimation was the only division of Sony globally that was producing new content. Yeah. Because we were able to go to our home studios, we were able to figure out ways to, you know, and, and I, I credit Funimation for being really proactive and coming up with a plan and getting equipment out to actors that needed it, figure out who had the ability to do it, shuffle some cast around, but be able to keep recording. And, uh, and so, yeah, they were the (laughs) the only game in town for a long time that was still putting out new content. And it was really impressive. And they really tried to take care of their actors too, which is, you know, unheard of in most places yeah and just it's just impressive like they just before anybody asked they were stepping up going hey we know this is crazy here's some things we want to do to help and so I was I was real impressed with the way that they dealt with the uh the ensuing chaos that became the pandemic
0: well hats off to Funimation and yeah you brought something up that I really wanted to to circle back to um one excuse me one being you said uh earlier in the podcast uh you would started interviewing so it was going back to something you used to do. What did you allude to that you used to do before you do that? Oh,
1: I should have never said that. Um, <laughs> I I back in an, in an earlier life for a brief period of time I was the the host of Good Morning Texas, the morning TV Good Morning America knockoff that we had in here in Dallas. And, what was your uh, sign off? Um God please get me out of this. these guys in my head that's that's what i was saying i was saying i'm really not good at this (laughs) i should should be doing something else um which was pretty much what all of the managers of the tv station also thought so it was a fairly short-lived short-lived run i did get to meet c3po anthony daniels so i guess it was worth it If, if if only for that i got to do
0: that how hard did you fanboy out
1: I had my parents ship my life size C3PO cardboard <laughs> cutout that had been in my bedroom since 1977 from the attic, and they shipped it and he signed it live on stage. Did you? Uh, it was pretty who, great.
0: Who was it? Um, are you a
1: big movie guy? Uh, Step brother. I am a big movie guy. All right, hold that thought two seconds. Fiddlers. I'm going to plug in because I battery.
0: And with the power of magic, we're back, right? So. Yes. Uh, Fanboying out is one thing I I'll always like, because the first time I ever met somebody, I guess famous in a sense for me, my first comic book convention, I went to um, here in Orlando and my favorite writer of all time, Scott Snyder. Not sure if you're a big Batman fan, but he, he was writing the longest run, at least for, you know, DC's, uh, what was it? The New 52 wrote the entire Batman run um, and I'm sitting there and I've got my, my favorite book that I, I, I ever read or that he ever wrote. And I'm sitting there, I'm shaking and shit. And I'm a pretty big, I'm six foot two. And this guy is a very, very small guy. He's like maybe five, nine. So I'm sitting there, I'm shaking. You know, I was like, Oh, Mr. Snyder. This is, he's like, no, 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 just just call me Scott. It's okay. I was like, this is my first comic book convention. I've never been to one before. Um, I got picked on a lot when I was a kid for liking people like Aquaman. And I didn't like the Aquaman that's this today, boys and girls, my Aquaman was a super friends Aquaman that really, really feminine character that nobody liked. All he did was talk to fish.
1: I loved Aquaman, by uh, the way. He's
0: fantastic, man. And everybody keeps forgetting that, like, he could go toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman and Superman. He is a god among men type of thing. But nobody really, all they thought about was, like, oh, he just rode that seahorse. That He had that bullshit, you know, superpower. And I got punched for that one numerous times. But I'm sitting there, I was like, I, got, I, I love this book. And then he's like, oh, man, this is one of my favorite books to write. And then Greg Capullo was sitting next to him, the artist for the series. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he goes, he's like, dude, you remember this cover? And then Greg comes up and he didn't have anybody in line yet. Somebody else was coming. He was like, oh, shit. He was like, this is one of my favorite covers. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> uh, what is going? This is like greatness and royalty sitting right here. And they're, they're like, they're talking to me like I'm normal. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say at this point. I don't know what to do with my hands um, oh, that's what I was getting to um, earlier with Step Brothers. Um, but that guy, ah, shit, I can't remember. He played um, Will Ferrell's brother, um, Derek. He was the uh, just the real douchebag of the character. But he met um, Mark Hamill from, uh, from, obviously, Star Wars. Star Wars, you know, right. Um, and then he comes out, and they start playing the music. Or the and-
1: Joker from the Batman animated series. also a very fine performance, but continue.
0: That, and he played <laughs> Skips. If you really want to go deep, because he played Skips in the regular show. If you've never watched that one, a fantastic show. Um, but that's the voice I hear whenever I read Batman comics, Kevin Conroy is Batman. Absolutely. What was the Joker? hundred percent. Um, but, uh, so he comes out on live TV on one of these talk shows and then he's just Adam Lane or Adam Scott or some shit like that. I think is his name or Adam McKay. Can't remember. Um, but he starts just bawling in tears and he comes out like Luke Skywalker himself, like Jesus rose. And this is what this guy's looking at. This man's hero. And just to see you guys, that are, you know, like I said, up on a pedestal to us, us fans, to see you guys like nerd out and then like have that moment where you're like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what the fuck do I say to this guy? Uh, sign my book, please. Right. It was, it, it's crazy and it's weird. And also it's very humanizing because you're like, these guys produce this stuff. These guys make this stuff. These guys say this stuff on this thing I like. And you guys go through some of the same shit that we go through when we meet people like you. Right. So did you get well, to- I'm like
1: you, I, I'm, I, I am I'm not as, uh, I like the creators, right? Yeah. So like, I'm going to nerd out over a director or a writer. Yeah. Or like, oh, you were the showrunner for Deadwood. You're a god. And <laughs> supposed to, of the necessarily the people that were on characters, because I know more of what went into the behind the scenes. They were like, oh, you directed the pilot and also episode seven
0: mm-hmm.
1: of uh, like Battlestar Galactica. And then went on to do... Uh, directed uh, Friday Night Lights. That's the guy that I am excited about talking to.
0: Those are fantastic people too. The writers are somebody that never really, you always talk to the people that, you know, take the words that somebody wrote. And sometimes you guys ad-lib. A lot of times most people ad-lib stuff and they pick stuff from things, they cut it into the show and that's what you get. Um, You know, so the writers are one of those guys and then music composers as well. I don't know if you were a big cartoon fan back in the day, but you remember a little cartoon called Hey Arnold? called what hey arnold oh yeah so i mean the music as well as the store was almost synonymous you couldn't have one without the other very rarely do you have a show a movie you know what have you that they're so simpatico it's so just everything goes together like that one did um but when you were sitting there talking to c3po what was going through your head like, it was really
1: great. Like, it was like, a lot of it was just keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Keep it together. Don't, cry, don't cry, But don't. also it was super impressive that this guy, and I'm sure it went through, you know, Anthony Daniels is one of those that was an actor, was a stage actor and got this thing, you know, at one point in his career and had no idea that was going to be the defining moment. And I'm sure there are points in his life where he's like, oh my God, this is not all I have done with my life. I am not C-3PO why don't you see all yeah? But at this point in his career, he was coming in to voice like they were doing a, a story version of the music of Star Wars with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, and he was like narrating that. He's still getting to go around and do cool things and, and have the fans come out and it's just super grateful. And I'm sure they all go through this point of like, get away from me. I'm sick of all this. Yeah. But to see the ones that have come back to like, no. I love that I did something that you love, and I'm not upset about. Like he, one of the one of the other women on the show, her husband was a huge Star Wars fan, and he couldn't come get away from work. So Anthony Daniels took her phone and called and left him a voicemail.
0: That is sweet. And I'm
1: like, who does that when they've been barraged with this for 40 years and still is cool enough to to take time and do things for people? That was that's the impress. That's the things that impressed me more even than meeting the people, but realizing that you know, some of them are very much caught up in their own narratives, but there's a lot of them that are just happy to be there. And and even, you know, the brutal expense of a Comic-Con of just getting down and 300 people a day coming in and, and wanting signatures, the, the people that stay engaged and are like, no, tell me about you. Why did you like this? That's the ones that are the most impressive to me.
0: It, it just goes to show you like, maybe they were raised right, or maybe it's something they learned to grow into, or maybe it's just somebody they had that kind of took them under their wing. It was like, this is how you treat people. Just talk to people normally talk to people like you'd want to be treated. You know, It's, like, it's that old mom's type of type of line, or, you know, the lyric from the mom song. It's like, I just treat everybody how you want to be treated. Right. Um, like I said, it's fantastic. When you guys, when we get to meet guys like you or you get to meet your heroes and then it's like, God, man, this is a cool fucking guy, man. I mean, Well,
1: I think another factor of it also is that we've no matter what level of the business in either our little niche of it or the bigger, you know, Hollywood end of the niche of of the of the sphere, I get the what am I trying to say of the spectrum, if you're at the top end or whatever, if you've been in the entertainment world at all, you realize that nothing is guaranteed that there's a million super talented people that are never going to get anything. And if you get any modicum of success, you know, it is a huge amount of luck and you should be really grateful And of course, there are people that forget that along the way. But I think enough enough people have seen enough failure and had enough failure and rejection in their own life that when the time comes, because that's the nature of that world. Yeah. That, you know, every every character you book is 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 a result of 100 auditions you did not book. And so hopefully they were able to keep some of that of that perspective and say, yeah, I'm just lucky to get to do anything that
0: worked out. Like I said, that's a fantastic way to really look at it and not just in your industry, but more people could really look at that and take that as a mindset or a philosophy or a credo or just a way of life to really strive for, you know, um, it doesn't really have to be, it doesn't have to come from the top, man. You got to build a foundation. You don't just go and throw some shit on the ground and hopefully it stays up with wind and rain and all that other stuff. You really got to build it from the ground up. You got to have a nice foundation. Um now, with everything that you've done, right, we talked about your past, but I want to know, what are you doing now that you're really, really excited about that you can talk about?
1: Well, things that I can talk about, I um, I still, okay, one of the things that takes a lot of my time is I work with a company that produces corporate training videos, which does not sound exciting, but uh, <laughs> it's a British company, and, and we have been making a project for a company called Know Before that is a series on loosely on it security training okay but they really just let us make a cool netflix style show Mm -hmm. like our own mr robot about a group of hackers and and so if anyone listening works for a know before company look for the inside man just because it was fun to actually get to make like way more entertainment than bullet point information transition and so that was fun and then figuring out we're on season three now and I couldn't go over to London for the shoot, so I'm like getting up at two thirty in the morning and watching the monitor via Wi-Fi feed to my phone, and like texting with the director, like, "Oh, that should be in his left hand because it was in his right," you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like sitting there on my porch in Dallas and monitoring a shoot from London was pretty cool and made me realize, like, we are living in the future. Like we really are kind of doing things. Um, and then in terms of of podcasts. Um, which as, as you well know, there are, there are dozens of dollars to be made podcasting. I don't know yet. I don't know Dozens, I, I don't know dozens of dozens, maybe tens of dozens of dollars to be made, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, I've worked uh, producing a podcast called 1865 that is a historical fiction uh, narrative audio drama about the aftermath of the assassination of Lincoln and kind of that period of history and reconstruction a lot of great voice actors, a lot of anime, Funimation voice actors that appeared in that. Jeremy Schwartz is our lead. Michael Tatum, Jay Michael is Tatum it, is it already out? Part in that, yeah, it's out and and doing really well. And and we're about to do a mini season and then come up with a second season. But it it it's uh, on the Wondery platform right now. But you can get it anywhere. Yeah. Um. But it's uh, it, it was really fun to get to work that and realize like, oh, we have a great largely because of Funimation. Mm-hmm. We have a great pool of voice acting talent in Dallas and they can do amazing things, things that probably Hollywood people can't do because they're not used to using just their voice. Um, and so, and again, incredible music score and and, and story composition, amazing writing. And uh, it was written by a guy named Steve Walters who actually wrote a number of, of Funimation scripts over the years, again, that out of work artists fun everybody gets through Funimation at some point in time but he wrote scripts there and then went on and has been a Hollywood screenwriter and TV writer and then uh, came back to Dallas to, to work on this podcast project and it, it's really done well I think we're past the three million download
0: uh,
1: point for for season one right now so that's exciting um, and I, I play a voice role in it mostly out of necessity and of course you hate your own voice and everything i'm like why did i cast somebody else to do that why do i have to listen to myself do this role um but yeah it's 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 fun and the idea of narrative podcasting is something that we're really working to explore and and look at more um as opposed to you know this kind of interview interview thing we really wanted to do something that was almost throwback to those old 1940s radio plays and see what you can do because you can do anything like you got a story about you know, outer space with the flying elephants. Like you can't afford to make that on your own. You got to go find a studio with the budget to make the visual version of that. But you can, uh, you can just do the audio of that. Just figure out what a space elephant sounds like, and you're good to go. <laughs> there's
0: there's a few of them out there, and uh, I can't think of the name. But Remy Malik was in one of them. Um, and there's two of these that I've actually listened to, and I'm glad you you, you said 1865 because I'm gonna check that out as soon as we get off of here. Um, I, I growing up. My, my grandpa would always listen to talk radio whenever we'd go and visit him. And I absolutely hated talk radio. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to listen to music. It was the same thing whenever I'd go over to his house or my great aunt and uncle, my Aunt Mary and Uncle Bob. They would always come down. And essentially during the summer when they would watch us, because my mom was working two jobs and we weren't even in fourth grade yet at this point. Um, so we, they would come down and they were essentially couch potatoes the entire summer because they're old as shit. Um, it was hot in Florida. Nobody liked, you know, being here in Florida because the Skeeters, the the humidity and just the heat alone would just sap my my. my What's brain. not to love? I, well, I mean, <laughs> <they're> <laughs> I'm not even going to go down the, the Florida route. I, we went down that rabbit hole a few times on this podcast and it always comes up really, really weird. It's a very weird place to live. Um, As you can tell, every horrible story you hear, methed up gators or a gator with a knife sticking out of its head that somehow had meth in a system, essentially comes from Florida. Um, It's nothing to be proud of, but it's always interesting to live here, if nothing else. Um, Remind me where in Florida you are? uh, So I'm going to tell you Orlando, because if I say Deltona, everybody's going to say Daytona. And I'm like, no, we don't live anywhere near a beach. We live by a lake that's got mosquitoes and then a whole bunch of trees and shit. So
1: I know Crescent. Crescent, uh, no, what, what am I trying to say? Like Tampa's that way from, yeah, from Tampa's Ohio. below.
0: And then, so if we're looking up here, Orlando is more towards the middle of the state. So right. And we're, you we're are in the of the state. above that. Yeah. So we're off to, I'm 20 minutes away from Daytona beach, Daytona beach. Okay. is what Everybody goes to for gotcha. spring, what they used to. I mean, they might still do these kids these days. They don't give a shit. Um, God, all- I hope not.
1: Don't go to spring break. If you're watching this, don't go to spring break. Just stay home this year. Don't go to Thanksgiving. Don't nope. go to Christmas. Just stay home. Wear your mask. I almost wore my mask for this podcast, and it's just me and my microphone. <laughs> don't risk it. No, anyway, I, I, I don't. That's want... a public service message for the day. Move on. That's, that's... No, okay. So, so you're 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 listening to radio dramas or to audio, you know, oh. talk radio.
0: Oh yeah. So, and then they would come down and they watch us, and all we did was watch TV Land. I always wanted to watch cartoons. Um, so between my uh, that stuff and then. Um, Just the talk radio alone, I hated anything really old, right? So coming into podcasting, I always shit on it back in the day. And it always seems like anything I shit on that's good, right? Before I even give it a shot, I was like, I turned around and like, man, I should have really given this a shot back in the day. (laughs) Um, You know, My Hero, podcast, talk radio, you know, all these old TV shows that I was just forced to watch, like Walker, Texas Ranger, In the Heat of the Night, all these great TV shows now, right? Um, And then just sitting there. The last thing I wanted to hear is a narr- narrative story like the one with Rami Malek or the one that they did with Wolverine. They did the, like the Long Night or some shit like that. Yeah, a fantastic! And to to find out that there's a new one and it's during probably up until now the most what is it tumultuous time in our country at that time 1865 with everything yeah. and going with on.
1: crazy parallels to current events. That was a strange thing. We wrote it in in 20. 20- 16, 2017, and then all of these things started coming out because it's about the first time that a sitting president was impeached. Yeah. Uh, it is about the sitting president firing the person in charge of the est- investigation into his possible collusion with an enemy and that firing mm-hmm. triggers his impeachment. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're not on such uncharted ground. And he was not impeached and stayed in office. and. You know, worked really hard to change the direction of the country that his predecessor had put into place. So there's a lot of parallels no matter. And it's also just the history. Like we tried not to put a huge perspective on it. Yeah. Um, and we also did an inside the episode for each episode. So we could talk about what was real, what was creative license, what's based on the history, where would that history come That's from?
0: fantastic. Because most people... So you can kind do of
1: do it. the deep dive. Interesting. Yeah. The stuff that was the most crazy, and that I was clearly like, "Oh, you made that up because it's a good story," <laughs> those were the things that were totally real. Yeah. And the things that were kind of boring, and like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Like, oh no, we totally made that
0: up. <laughs> Isn't it funny how history always tends to kind of repeat itself? Right. Y'all yeah. Similarities, parallels, adjacents—whatever you want to call it—everything starts to kind of start out like this, and then everything starts to kind of. Back. well as
1: as many times as the word unprecedented has been said over the last three years or so the only only thing there is truly precedent for is that every year something unprecedented happens in yeah. the, you know 200 years of our history but probably the thousand years of two thousand years of human recorded history whatever it more like ten thousand. but let's get on it um <laughs> yeah it's, it's it, nothing is precedented we find interesting ways to throw wrenches in our own works all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. And I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because we can sit here and talk about, we've already been talking for an hour at this point. Um, You know, so we're going to start winding it down because I got a kid coming home and he's into karate. So he's probably going to, as soon as he comes in, he likes to load up and then just kick the shit out of me. I don't know if that's just a son and a dad type of thing, but I'm how I treat everybody when they come over for food, he treats me like a punching bag. He's like, let me see. If I, I think that
1: could be the outro to each of your your podcasts. Like, hey, thanks for joining us. That's the show for the day. And then quick cut, you getting kicked in the crotch.
0: Oh, shit. Ah, oh, no. I just think I'd... that's your out. That's your out for every episode. That's like your signature sign-off. See, I like taking sign-offs that don't put my balls in my throat. Um, you know, because he can kick really fucking hard. Um, and, and there's been a couple times where I've just been coming down the stairs and usually I have to wake him up, right? He's a 10 year old. He just doesn't want to get up when he's supposed to get up. You know, he stays up too late sometimes. Um, but there was a couple times last week and the week before last even where he had just earned his purple belt. And I'm walking down the stairs happy. It's not even seven o'clock in the morning. And usually, like I said, I got to wake him up, but he's already downstairs. So I'm like, oh shit, he must want something. He's already dressed. He's already let the dogs out. He's already started his breakfast. I mean, he's, he's on to something and he wants something. That's what I was thinking, right? And you know my head's going all of these different directions, and then as soon as I come around the corner, what A kick before seven o'clock in the morning a <laughs> across my stomach that just I'm like ah, shit! He was, I was like what was that for? He was like well you beat me in Smash Brothers yesterday, and then you tried to leg sweep me like in Cobra Kai, and he was like I had to get you before you got me, so I win today, Dad. And I was like shit! All of this logic checks out. All of these. Time-
1: <laughs> It seems See, like now in his- the rest of the day, it doesn't matter what we say in the rest of this podcast, all you're going to be thinking about is, is he going to kick you in the stomach on the way home? Oh, That's what's in
0: your head. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got, a real estate but in- I
1: tied it back to the brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ, man, you should start writing this stuff, man. <laughs> but like I said, as we wind down, cause I don't want to keep you too much longer, even though I'm having fun. Hopefully you are too. Um, you said stain even though it was so short-lived, it, you didn't seem like the same fulfillment, I guess. I don't know if that was the right word or if I'm just projecting here and that's the word I wanted to use um, because you didn't get to do as much as you done with like One Piece or Dragon Ball Z, you know, with other characters that you've had such a good long time to just really flesh out that character or that being or that feeling, right? But looking back at it, what characters would you say, if you had to pick two or three, that you've had the most fun playing?
1: Okay, that's a fair question. I've had similar versions of that question, but that's in a little different vein. So I'll start thinking about it in terms of most fun. Um, uh, Stain is kind of, uh, I would say, uh, an, ante- uh, uh, an antecedent mm-hmm. that it runs. There's some character lines that run back to the very first bad guy that I ever got to do mm-hmm. in terms of like, really evil and does horrible things, but from a very noble and seemingly, at least in their world perspective, moral place. That uh, the first bad guy I got to do in anime, cause I'd been doing all the young hero, the teen Goten. Okay guys, we can do it. It's going to be great. And and I kept lobbying all the the directors at the time. I'm like, Hey, I have a lower register. I can do other things. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. you're fine. You're fine. Finally, uh, uh, Justin Cook let me audition for the bad guy in a show called Yu Yu Hakusho, mm-hmm. which is another one of those big kind of tentpole early anime shows that was a starting point for a lot of people in their fandoms um, and, and got to be the bad guy who was named uh, Sensui and uh, Sonobu Sensui. And he was in that same way of like a, a bad guy that you weren't sure how you felt about. And so that was probably one of my most fun, also just because I finally got to do the deep voiced bad guy. Like my favorite sensory line was, oh, that's right. I'm killing you. I'm sorry, I got
0: distracted.
1: (laughs) Like you don't get to say that in normal life. Like that's just not a line you're gonna get to say without getting arrested.
0: So. if you come to Florida, you probably hear it at least twice. Well,
1: that's probably true. There's a lot of things said in Duval County that shouldn't be repeated elsewhere. Duval. the uh, go Jaguars it's not pretty it's not pretty oh uh, um, the uh, has another shout out for Aaron Robert Duvals Aaron Roberts animes fan and Duval County's own rising star um, the uh, so that was a great character that I really got to enjoy there was a little show called uh, not a little show but there was a show called Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. that was a, a two episodes and a movie and and uh, but I really, really dug it. It's a really cool show in terms of it's just psychology. It's about a futuristic world where government police control is now melded with a computer system that decides people's innocent and guilt and, and, and all of the questions around that. So in a little ways, it's a little minority report meets I don't know what. But the character in that that I got to play was one of my favorites because he was super dry and super calm but went through a real arc. Um, so, I really liked Kogami in, in Psychopaths. Um, and, then, and then there was so called Sands of Destruction where I played a one eyed talking bear called a Kuma. And part of their race's honor to themselves is that they said the word Kuma at the end of every sentence. Yeah. So he would say, I have come, Kuma, to make sure, Kuma, that we will win the day, Kuma. And that just for some reason always makes me happy to play a one eyed. I play a lot of one-eyed characters and a lot of characters that have something in their mouth all the time. I don't know why that is. Cigarette, stock of a pipe, a stock of s- straw, something. Like, I guess when people see one-eyed characters now in anime, they go, oh, we need to call Robin for that. That's a Rob character.
0: We need them to have a pipe and they need to be distinguished." Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I have some, such fun doing this as I have a slight stroke there. I've had such fun doing this episode, man. It's been a lot of fun. We talked about a whole bunch of different shit but, uh, you know, I feel like we kind of fleshed out a lot of stuff that Stain really didn't get to flesh out. And I'm talking to you guys. We really want to see this guy back. So please bring back Stain. Um What can people, where can people find you at the end of the day when they want to reach out and they want to say, hey, man, I really love what you did. Or um, when conventions start opening back up, where can they find more about Rob?
1: Well, because I am super lame uh, <laughs> and have not been good on the marketing front. Uh, which was the thing I swore I was going to do at the beginning of lockdown. Like, I got all this time now. The, the Facebook fan page is still the best and kind of only way. There's a, there's a Twitter feed and there's an Instagram that I don't do anything on, but the, the, the Facebook fan page, Robert McCollum voice actor fan page, is the best way to send things and post things. And, and I'm getting much better about answering it and posting things on it these days. That is the best way to do it. Uh, and then just keep watching, man. I don't care if I'm in the show or not. Just to everybody keep finding things that stories that make them excited and keep firing it up, getting fired up about it and telling other people about it. That's the most important thing to me.
0: Well, shit, man, I couldn't figure out any other way because I'm not going to let my kid knock me in the nads. There's no way in hell I want to do that as far as a closing or an ending statement or wrapping it up. So we're just going to do it this way because it's less pain on me and less feeling of my kid seeming like he wins. Um, so we're going to do it like this. He's been Robert, Stain. Any other character you could possibly do, a young goten and I can't pronounce the other characters because I don't want to butcher it. And just <laughs> annihilated in the comments. Cause that's happened before. Um, but man, like I said, that's been Robert. I've been Julian. We're out of time. I had such fun, man. Thank you again for doing this and stay safe out there.
1: All right. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me on what's in your head.
0: Thanks brother. You stay safe, man. I would love to talk to you down the road. Whenever season five gets coming back out, hopefully you can do a character. Hopefully it's staying, but it's not going to be staying, but hopefully you can get at least another character in here so we can keep hearing your voice. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. No problem, brother. Take it easy and end of podcast there we go good job
1: man (laughs) that was great i'm glad all right thank you so much for having me yeah if you want to put the the facebook fan page it is so lame that that's all i have but if you want to put that link in the comment section or whatever that'd be great and uh and 1865 yeah you should check it out i'm not bragging my own horn because i didn't write it but it is some of the coolest voice acting in terms of just very real it sounds like you're watching an indie film Uh uh-huh It does not feel like I am an actor in front of a microphone. It's just, you feel the whole thing.
0: And then the the
1: crazy things that actually went on and they're real in that time, I think you'd
0: probably dig it. Yeah, man, I'll give it a listen. I've already got it written down right here. And I forgot to hit pause. So my my Larry, my guy's going to have to, you know, edit some of the stuff out. So Woo, thanks, Larry. Yeah, he's the greatest. So, but uh, yeah, I'm for sure going to check it out, man. And like I said, thank you again for doing this. uh, No
1: problem. Congrats on your news, brother.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Have a good time. Take it Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.